guys, welcome back to Who, What, Where, a true crime podcast. We're your hosts, Caitlin, Hannah, and Abigail. If you've never listened before, just know this is a very chatty girls' night sleepover type podcast. We will speculate and theorize a lot, so if that's not your jam, we totally understand. But if it is, you can tune in every Monday for a full-length episode, and then come back every Friday for a freaky Fast Friday episode, where we give you the rundown on a case, sometimes unsolved, always freaky, in 30 minutes or less. According to all known laws of aviation. (laughs) Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Today, we're actually doing a real estate-themed podcast all about (laughs) Lizzie Borden's house. (laughs) What? (laughs) I'm kind of joking, but I thought I had to bring this up because it is just the weirdest coincidence that the week that we planned to do this episode which is on lizzie borden as you guys probably can tell already um her house the murder house where she allegedly some people believe she did some people believe she didn't we'll get to that killed her stepmother and father (laughs) actually brutally murdered them with an axe is a better way to say it it's not just like she poisoned them or anything and again, we'll get to that, but it's a lovely home. It, it looks like a rich old person would live there. Um, and I mean, that's know, partially true. If you want to be haunted, then go ahead and buy it. It's just a cool $2 million. Oh, like it got listed this week? Yeah. So let me just going off this again we're not going to actually talk about the house for the entire episode but um, (laughs) the house was previously like a bed and breakfast kind of thing and their whole you know marketing ploy was come stay at the murder house or whatever so if you guys want to go I mean I don't know why you would but Anyway, so if you guys ever look at pictures of the house, they've kept it very 1800s-esque. Um, so it looks like you literally could go there and be killed by Lizzie Borden today. <laughs> Nothing's changed. <laughs> okay. I'm sad that you can't go and stay in it anymore because it used to be like an Airbnb and so you could like... Well, and we'll talk about later in the episode too that essentially people all of people's like recollections of any kind of haunting or anything um, or paranormal activity is because they were able to stay at the house as like like just like a hotel sort of um so yeah it is in fall river massachusetts which i don't think there's anything really to say about it except it's probably beautiful in the fall i don't know much else about the northeast um that is the northeast right yes (laughs) okay and then also fun fact this is the last fun fact about the um lizzie borden's house that you could purchase if you had two million dollars burning a hole in your pocket um (laughs) is that you when you buy this house you get the trademarks and intellectual rights that are associated with it and like the bed and breakfast business so it's previously it has been known as the Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast Museum. So you'd be the proud owner of that. Of a murder house. Yay. <laughs> all right. So now let's actually talk about the case, which um, didn't really bury the lead at all. It's about Lizzie Borden. So <laughs> Lizzie. You and your weird expressions. <laughs> what was the one you just said? Uh, burning a hole in your pocket. <laughs> That's normal. That's a normal expression. No, no, no. It is normal, but you just like say all these weird expressions and it's funny. What did you say that one time? I like to add flair. Yeah. That's what I said. Lizzie Borden was born in Fall River, Massachusetts on July 19th, 1860. So I don't know about you guys, but I had heard a lot about Lizzie Borden before, but I didn't realize that this was like a really, really old case. Like I feel like a lot of cases that we read about are I mean at the latest like the 1960s or 1970s and this is all the way back in 1860 so keep that in mind too that there's not like a ton of physical you know like 
pictures or video or whatever. There are photos though of um, the crime scene. I'll say that. So, and she was born to her parents, Sarah and Andrew. Um, Andrew, her father, was really wealthy at the time of his death. Um, his property was valued at around $300,000, which is equivalent to about $9 million in 2018. So he was a pretty wealthy man, but he wasn't always wealthy. He grew up quite poor and, you know, I guess you could say like worked to have the American dream and worked really hard and whatever. A businessman. Um, yeah, he was a businessman. And so by the time, you know, he got married and had children, um, their family was pretty well off. But Andrew remained quite frugal, which I feel like is pretty normal for somebody, somebody who had apart. money problems when they were younger. Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. And they actually lived in a house with no indoor plumbing, which was really odd at the time for people that were wealthy. A lot of wealthy people lived in houses with indoor plumbing. And a lot of wealthier people in that area actually lived in like a different neighborhood. So even though by like any stretch of the imagination, basically their family was pretty wealthy, they had no indoor plumbing and they didn't live in the same neighborhood as a lot of other wealthy people did. Um, Sounds like they were pretty humble. Yeah, they lived a pretty like, I guess you could say, yeah, normal, realistic kind of lifestyle for that time period. Like they had money, but they like lived like they were middle class yeah exactly um lizzie Bo- choice lizzie borden's mother sarah died when she was around 40 years old so she was quite young i couldn't find a ton about like how she died or if there was any foul play with her death but i don't think so um i mean in eight, the 1860s it wasn't super weird to like die at a younger age Um, so, but she died when she was 40 years old, Sarah was, and shortly after her death, Andrew, who it was Lizzie's father, is Lizzie's father, remarried a woman named Abby Durfee Gray. It's a weird, weird name. Um, and then basically this is where things start getting kind of weird. So it wasn't super like shortly after her death like it wasn't like the next day he married abby it had been a few years i believe four years um so that's not really that weird i don't think but a lot of people including lizzie and lizzie's older sister emma believed that mrs borden is what they called her they didn't even call her mom or or abby they called her mrs borden um, only married their father for his wealth, which not uncommon. I mean, it's entirely possible, but I feel like you do have to keep in mind too. Like these are two children who just lost their mother, so how would they feel? Yeah, right. I did look up how her biological mother died, and it was mm-hmm. uterine congestion and spinal disease. So. It was just oh. things that she would have lived from if she was alive today, like, basically. Uterine yeah. combustion? Congestion. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was like, that's scary. It's, it sounds like she had, like, an infection. Yeah. Also, their which, dad's name is Andrew Jackson Borden, which is kind of funny. <laughs> is it Andrew Jackson, the, the bad guy? That Trail of Tears president? Yes. That's yeah. the bad guy. Well, he yeah. Has, he had slaves, didn't he? A lot of presidents. A lot of them did. Yes, I was gonna say most presidents had he's slaves. He's significantly <laughs> trashy, I guess. Yeah. Poor, poor Andrew. No, not poor Andrew. <laughs> um, her mother Sarah died when she was forty in 1863, which was only a few years after Lizzie's um, birth. So the whole idea, you know, I mean, let's just cut to the chase people think that Lizzie was the one that murdered her stepmother and her father but the whole like notion that oh she like hated that someone took her father from her mother blah 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 that kind of storyline I feel like can be kind of cut in its tracks right here because if her mother if she was three years old when her mother 
died, she wouldn't have really known anything or remembered. I don't anything. have memories from when I was three. Do you guys? No. I have no. ones from when I was four. That's so specific. But- <laughs> yeah, that I is remember, really specific. I remember preschool. I don't remember anything before that, though. No. Um. Anyway. Never, yeah. So, so that they really truly believed that Abby had only married her, their father for his wealth. I did. <laughs> um, Lizzie and Emma, who Emma Abby's was a gold digger. Emma uh, was Lizzie's older sister, which we yeah, talked she's about. a gold digger. <laughs> Debatable. Um, so the girls, Lizzie and Emma, they rarely ate dinner with Andrew and Abby. So. I mean, clearly, I think it's pretty clear to say that even though we probably don't think that they hated her because it wasn't their mother, because their mother died when they were still so young, but it is safe to say that regardless, they just didn't like this woman. Um, Not that I was alive in the 1800s, but it seems strange that like, I feel like that's something a family would do together is like, it was very traditional for people to eat dinner together like mom would make dinner dad comes home from work they all eat dinner so but I think what you're thinking of is more like 1900s I think the 1800s was Was more like I feel like it was it was different it was like we went we've gone through phases sort of in like the 1800s I think of that as you know the kids are kind of I don't know how to say it like in a nice way but they're kind of seen as like you're just it's a necessity to have children they'll help clean up around the farm and do house chores and whatever and then not everyone lived they're like I know but like I feel like they're more separated from the parents and then in the 1900s was when everyone was like oh putting a big emphasis on family and like the big American family and having two five kids and a dog and whatever and which then, is true that was early 1900s and then yeah. and then now we're in the 2000s which is just a different story we won't talk about that today but so whatever is going on now <laughs> that's sort of like the background of um the the new family that has become since abby's marriage into the family we need to find another name for her it's weirding me out <laughs> so we kind of already have addressed this, but there was a little bit of a tent, like a tension among the family, um, particularly in relation to Andrew's wealth. So basically what I found about this is that Andrew would gift real estate to a bunch of different members of Abby's family. Like we've already mentioned, he was pretty wealthy, but he would like give them, you know, like a second home, like one of his second homes, he would like gift to them. And these were all members of Abby's family. So I think that kind of the notion here is that that anchored Lizzie and Emma, especially because they were. He was like giving away their inheritance, basically. Right. So that they they were kind of nervous that they weren't going to get um, their inheritance, their inheritance, inheritance their inheritance you're putting an n in there that's not inheritance anyway so there's a lot of tension within the family and it mainly had to do with wealth and like could we are is he basically pretending like we aren't part of his family anymore and kind of like cozying up too much with abby his new wife's family then something really strange happened in the weeks leading up to the murders okay the entire household, so it was like Abby, Andrew, Lizzie, Emma, and their maid, whose name was Maggie Sullivan, they all got violently ill, (laughs) like really, really sick, like so sick that a lot of people thought that they had been poisoned um, because Andrew was kind of this unpopular figure in town because he was so wealthy. And so people were like kind of jealous of him and who knows how many people he stepped on to get to the place that he was like business-wise. Yeah. And so basically there's two theories. One, they got poisoned, which probably not because I'll tell you a little bit later why that's probably not the case. Um, But it was also kind of 
not that common, but sort of common for people to get ill from just like the food they were eating around this time because of like poor refrigeration and, you know, basically things that we would have never, we never would think would happen today, but they were not that uncommon in the 1800s. Yeah, definitely. Well, and like people died from eating like bad stuff. Mm hmm. Yeah, They're, like, like, lucky they just got sick. <laughs> like, stuff that would, like, they would just, you know, like, meat, for example, that you would leave out instead of, like, properly refrigerating it and stuff. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> um, And then, again, right before the murders happened, John Morse, who was Lizzie's uncle, um, like, her mother's brother... Why can't I say that in a maternal uncle? Is that technically the correct way to say that? Yeah, maternal uncle. Maternal uncle, yeah. So a few, actually the day before the murders, John Morse, who was Lizzie and Emma's uncle on their mother's side, so Sarah's brother, visited um, to discuss business matters with Andrew, which I'll talk about this a little bit later, but basically this is extremely odd. Um, Like this was really weird for him to just show up for pretty much no reason except to discuss business matters, which you'll see why they didn't get to discussing anything. Okay. And that was on August 3rd, 1982, uh, not 19th, August 3rd, 1892, that John showed up. And then we'll talk about the sequence of events, which uh, speaking of how there's not a ton of evidence in this case, it was weirdly specific how the timeline was laid out. Um, like on the day of August 4th, 1892, I mean, like down to like, oh, eight or oh, three, they were, they were different times that were brought up later in the trial. So I just thought that was weird. Yeah. Um, so at 8.45 AM, John Morse, who like we talked about was the uncle, left the house to go buy a pair of oxen. Again, not a thing you would hear in, the, in any in other time period, um, except for the 1800s. Um, and he was planning, apparently he was going to go buy a pair of oxen for like a niece or like his friend's daughter. I don't know, something like that. Just casually. Not super important who he was going to buy the oxen for, but just he was, the point is, is he was leaving the house at like 8.45 a.m. And he had plans to return home for lunch. Around 9 a.m., um, Andrew left for his typical morning walk, which apparently this is what he did every morning. He would go on like a couple hour long walk and then he would come home and take like an afternoon nap. Well, more like a late morning nap. <laughs> um, from 9 to 10 30 a.m., sometime within that time frame, Abby went upstairs to tidy up the guest room and make the bed which the guest room was where John Morse was staying. The reason why this is weird is because it was pretty well known. First of all, they had a maid. Um, and so, you know, typically a maid would do like the cleaning and tidying up. And then also, even for the things that the maid didn't do, um, who I already said, but her name's Maggie. So aside from the fact that they had a maid, it was also kind of weird because Lizzie and Emma that was one of their chores was to like tidy up the guest room um, if they ever had guests over, which they did occasionally. Well, and the thing is, is like most of the evidence is um, being told by Lizzie and Maggie, right? Like during the trial. trial. You're kind of alluding to one of the theories that we'll talk about later, I think, maybe. Um, but... So Abby, sometime around this time, Abby went upstairs to tidy the guest room. And then this was when she was brutally murdered. And based on all the forensics and like everything and essentially the way the hatchet marks were in her head, which is disgusting, but true. Um, Yikes. It was found that she had been facing her attacker when she was murdered. So first of all, that's freaky because that means that there's nobody that knows who did this except for Abby and, and Andrew you know like those are the people that know for sure because they were probably looking at their attacker well not Andrew which we'll get to that um 
so she was hit a ton of times in the head like a ton as in 17 plus times hit in the head with a hatchet and um one of the first hits she was struck on the side of her head like right above her ear which caused her to then fall face down on the floor which is where she then took 17 more direct hits to the back of her head with like a hatchet like an axe so this sentence or few sentences that I just said right here basically is all you need to know to know that this was not like just a random intruder in my opinion like this was a crime of passion but 17 like that's just excessive so yeah at that point they're already like on the ground like bleeding out dead yeah you had to like bend over them and start oh horrible anyway so one of the photos that um, it's not that gory because they've like covered up her head where all the blood is and everything um, but she's laying face down on the floor like just like this like it's really creepy like with her arms down at her side laying down you know like like she just fell like she oh. just fell um, and then around 10 30 a.m is when Andrew returned to the house from his walk like we said um, and this is a weird little note his key failed to open the door. It didn't unlock the door, which chances are they didn't get the locks changed in like two hours. But I mean, that's just kind of odd. Like maybe someone jammed the door specifically because of what had been happening inside. Um, and then that's when Maggie, who was the maid, came to open the door for him after he had begun knocking and obviously she like ran to the door and opened it and she's like oh you know uh, apparently she like uttered an expletive this is when maggie eventually testified was around the time that she heard lizzie laughing at the top of the stairs and oh in my, my notes i literally have a question mark exclamation point wtf girl lizzie that is the most incriminating thing you can do and so now this is important to mention not just because this is freaking weird if she actually was laughing, but also because if she was upstairs at all, she would have seen Abby's dead body, apparently. That's what they say about the way the house is set up. And then I'll talk about uh-huh. in a little, I'll talk about in a little bit too, like some of the testify, not testify. Yeah, testif- testimonies. Testimonies. Testification. No, the testimonies Testification. where um, people, I'll talk about that later, but basically it's more proof that if she was upstairs, she would have known what happened to Abby. Lizzie obviously later denied that she was laughing at the top of the stairs because why would you be? Anyway. Well, um, why would she be like, oh yeah. It was really funny. It, it me. <laughs> My dad. Um, oh yeah. She Wait, how old how old is Lizzie at the time? Well, it this is in 1892 and she was born in 1860, so so 32 years. Just yeah, yeah, she lived in the house. That's quite strange. But she was like an adult. So No. Um, Do you know her middle name is Andrew? Yeah, isn't that odd? Emma, I mean, I did find in my research that Emma and um, Lizzie were known as spinsters, which is like a term apparently for women who like grow old past the age of like marriage, which obviously nowadays it doesn't matter. But back in the day. um, Yeah, pretty much any woman that like wasn't married by like 25, I think was pretty much a spinster. Yeah. Yeah. because those are like your prime childbearing years you know and you know a patriarchal society doesn't want you to miss out on your prime childbearing years that would be horrible and lizzie so um lizzie after she denied that she was laughing at the top of the stairs obviously she would have done that why would she like admit to that unless she was admitting guilt anyway she also said like during this um testimony that a messenger had come for Abby to basically summon her to visit a sick friend 
which is also weird. <laughs> like, I mean, I guess it's the 1800s, so it's probably so is different. the family no longer violently ill? They, no, they're like still ill. Yeah. So, um, I'll talk about that actually in just a second. One member in particular was still pretty ill. But yeah, they were still ill. Like it wasn't like it had gone away all of a sudden. Um, but they wanted Abby to come visit a sick friend because maybe she was going to die or something. I don't know. Allegedly, that's what Lizzie said. And then this is when Lizzie says that she helped her father take off his boots that he had been like walking around in before he laid down on the Sophia for his like late morning nap. Um, so this is false this is like a hundred percent a lie um because the crime scene photos again there's like two photos that i could find like actual pictures he's wearing his boots so he's not wearing the slippers that lizzie says that she helped him take off his boots and put on his slippers okay just keep that in mind that's a little um yeah and we'll talk about later the theories too and there's one theory that can kind of work its way in there um but anyway, and then she then told Maggie that there was a department store sale and that she should go to it. Maggie felt sick, obviously, because apparently it was super, super hot that day, like one of the hottest days on record for the year. And they were all like, yeah, that sounds about right. And they were all like violently ill. Um, so she That's felt horrible. unwell. So she went upstairs or not specifically upstairs just cut that part out because i don't want people to think that she went upstairs because i don't think she did um she went she went to her bedroom to take a nap instead of going to the department store stale but good (laughs) job lizzie for letting maggie know that there was a good deal about to get on I just girls like, gotta help girls it's like Lizzie was like looking at her hand like she like wrote notes on her hand she's like what can I tell Maggie to get her out of here so I can kill my dad <laughs> she's like oh yeah department store sale um do we get yourself some it also <laughs> I mean it also feels like so like for some reason that makes me think of like gossip girl or something like oh there's a department store sale let's go I don't know it's just weird. it's like very like simple yeah very like like, simple thing what are we gonna do on a tuesday afternoon oh let's go to a department store (laughs) anyway they're not british why do do they have british accents they're in massachusetts (laughs) that was me i put that on (laughs) um and then shortly after this only like a, a little bit over a half an hour later maggie heard lizzie calling from downstairs so nobody knows that abby's laying in the upstairs bedroom dead okay now this is where it gets weird theoretically yeah yes because maggie at this point says that she's on the third floor of the house which you guys know how houses work with stairs you have to walk up to the second floor to get to the third floor okay so that's bizarre because so that's where her room is abby lay dead on the second floor at this point (laughs) like we know we basically know a few things for sure and that's abby is dead at this point on the second floor and maggie is on the third floor hearing lizzie call from the first floor okay weird weird uh um and lizzie says something along the lines it was in quotes but i'm not 100 sure if this is like actually what she said she said maggie come quick father's dead someone came in and killed him wouldn't you like to believe so and that's all she said thought that's all she said so then of course kill you lady so then obviously maggie came downstairs so i guess i guess lizzie's kind of idea was that oh maybe maybe it isn't that weird to believe that someone just came in and murdered my father because he left her because he was like a wealthy businessman yeah so maybe people were out to get him i don't know i feel like yeah that's weird I watch enough uh, true crime to think that they would like be like, "I'm gonna kill your daughter in front of you." Like, I it's not very realistic that they would have like she would have just been like, "Ah, my father," and then like they just left. Yeah, so they, well, they would have seen them. She would have seen them. Well, maybe we'll get to that in a minute. That's oh kind gosh. of one of the theories. Um, so at, 
Andrew was at this point laying dead on the couch that he had went to take an Alive but dead. Also murdered with an axe, correct? Yes. So he had only been hit eleven times with a hatchet. So she's got she was tired. Yeah. And he and it's at this point that apparently Maggie said that the wounds were so fresh that he was like still bleeding from the wounds where he would have been hit with a hatchet. Yikes. Um, like it w- had just happened. Then this is kind of a weird thing. Again, a total 1800s thing that wouldn't happen now. Apparently the family doctor, Dr. Bowen, who lived across the street, like what? Came over and was like, oh yeah, both of these victims are dead. Which to this, I said, duh. Like, of course they're dead. Uh. <laughs> come on dr bowen like i could be dr bowen at this rate um and he estimated that andrew's time of death was somewhere around 11 a.m that's pretty much it for sort of like the facts of the case and the actual like day of the case uh not of the case but of the murders so andrew dead 11 hits to his body abby dead axe with an axe with a hatchet Abby Sorry, hatchet. De- Abby dead with 17 plus hits. Okay. Lizzie's, I mean, to say the least, Lizzie's answers to things were kind of weird. And especially at the beginning, a lot of her answers were pretty contradictory to each other. Like she would answer one question and then answer another one that would totally contradict that. Um, she would also not answer a lot of questions because... I don't know why exactly, but she she wouldn't answer a lot of questions and that kind of confused people because a lot of the questions she didn't ask or answer were questions that would have probably helped her if she would have just answered them. Yeah, like exonerated her. Yeah, um, which kind of points to maybe she is just guilty. I don't know. And um, Maggie and a neighbor... This is kind of one of the weird points that I was talking about earlier that it was weird and would confirm that if Lizzie was upstairs at all, she would have seen Abby dead. Um, Maggie and a neighbor who was Mrs. Churchill, I don't know where she lived, which house, but apparently they saw Abby lying down, face down on the floor in the guest room. So weird. Like... There's, I mean, like, who just lays down, like, face down on the ground, ever? Maybe she was just tired. <laughs> She's just taking a nap. I'm gonna take a nap. I'm gonna take a nap right here. He has, like, like a mid-morning nap on the couch, and she just lays on the floor. <laughs> she just passes out on the floor upstairs. Um, <laughs> and then a lot of people had an issue with how calm Lizzie seemed about the whole thing. She seemed, like, very... Like, she was too poised to have just found out that her father was murdered with a hatchet. And so was her stepmother. Like, brutally murdered. So, I mean, yeah, whatever. Which is probably true. But at the same time, in, like, the 1800s, it was, like, women, more so than today, women were really taught to be, like, very poised and proper and well-mannered and everything. So, Maybe she was just being polite to like the police officers and all these different people that were asking her questions and stuff. Um, the the police officers, like the investigation group, they s- did search her room for evidence because obviously she was one of like the main suspects in the whole thing from the very beginning. Uh, but they later admitted during like the actual trial that it wasn't really a proper search because Borden said she wasn't feeling well. Okay, number one, duh, because they were sick. But also, two, duh, she just saw her father, like, <laughs> like hatched up. I don't know. <laughs> hatched up. <laughs> hatched up. Hacked. You mean hacked. hacked. She, thought, she thought her father, she saw her father hacked. And you know what I just thought is kind of weird? But, like, they never talk about how when they found him dead, like, did they not, like, immediately say, oh, my God, where's Abby? Like, is she also dead? I don't know. They didn't ever, they never talked about that, so. Well, it seems like it's been a pretty big span of time now that 
they weren't like, oh, where's Abby? Is she just laying on the floor upstairs taking had, a nap? Like it had been probably about an hour and a half to two hours, I think, from the time that Abby was killed to when Andrew was killed and found dead. So so, so I'm not I don't know that I'm wait, wait, wait. Where's first of all, where's Emma? So Emma Borden did live in this home, but she claimed to not have been there at the time. But people, like, there are conflicting reports about this. Because her and Lizzie had gone on, like, a little vacation, and they were in New Bedford for, like, up until a week before this happened, I believe. And so I think Emma was, like, at somebody's house is what she, like, claimed. But there was conflicting evidence of that, so... During the, like, initial searches of the house, the police found two hatchets, two axes, and a hatchet head with a broken handle in the basement of the house. So, I mean, like, just... That's Interesting to ditch your weapon in the home. Yeah, good thing Were you they mentioned clean? that. So, the broken one, like... And I think this is what they're saying when they say hatchet head with a broken handle is that all that was left of it was like the axe part, not the handle. Like the handle had been broken off. And the idea here is that, okay, the handle would have had blood on it. It's presumably like leather or um, wood. wood. So (laughs) you can't really get blood off of that as easy as you could like wipe it off of like because it's porous like that's on the hatchet um like the actual blade of the hatchet you could get off you could clean off pretty easily so yeah there wasn't anything as far as i know wasn't anything like super obviously incriminating like a bunch of blood on it or anything um but it was kind of weird that there was a hatchet with a broken handle like just laying down people dead from hatchet (laughs) yeah Um, And then they also said that it was kind of odd because it looked as though um, like dust and like ash and stuff had been rubbed on the hatchet with the broken handle, um, basically to make it look like it had been down there the whole time. Like it had always been just sitting there in the corner collecting dust. So that's kind of odd. Like that's pretty incriminating if you ask me. So um. And then, like I said earlier, it was a theory that they were so ill because they had been poisoned, possibly. But all of the the two victims, Andrew and Abby's bodies, were tested for poison and there was none found in their system. So you can pretty much rule out that they were poisoned, which is okay because they didn't need to be poisoned to get killed. They just were murdered with a hatchet. Um and then this is kind of odd as well. Apparently Lizzie had previously inquired at the local drugstore about purchasing hydrocyanic acid in a diluted form. Uh, cyanide? Yeah. She said that it was to Cyanide? Hydrocyanic acid. Probably cyanide. Yeah. She said it was to clean it was to clean her furs, like her fur coat or whatever. Um, is that which, what you clean furs with? Apparently, no. Um, so pretty <laughs> much everybody, like, that came up in trial, obviously. And basically the expert witness or whatever said that that's incorrect. Like, that's not what you would use to clean fur. So she tried, but not hard enough, I guess. I don't know. Um A friend um, whose name was Alice Russell, who was a friend of Lizzie and Emma's, stayed over the night following the murders, which not that weird. Like maybe they felt really unsafe if they really truly believed that someone had come in and like murdered. I think it's kind of weird that they slept in the house. Maybe a little bit. Um, This this is where it gets a little bit weirder. Um, The police... They had stationed police around the house because at this point, Lizzie was still, as far as I know, going off of the idea that um, 
someone had like an intruder had entered the house and killed her father so there was a bunch of police around the house like to kind of try to keep them safe and they said um they testified that at like in the middle of the night they saw russell so alice their friend and lizzie enter the cellar with a kerosene lamp and a slop pail so like a bucket um, and then it appeared, they didn't really see much else, but it appeared that Lizzie was bent over the sink. So, I mean, you could think a lot of different things with that, but kind of the most obvious to me is like, she's cleaning something, right? She's, they went down there to clean off some sort of evidence, maybe. Um, eventually, Lizzie was told that she was a suspect in the murders, even though honestly, it was it was pretty obvious that she was like the main suspect from the very beginning. Um, and the next morning, Alice Russell, the friend, said that she saw Lizzie tearing up a dress. And Lizzie was like, oh, I'm going to put it in the fire. It was covered in paint. It was ruined anyway. Pardon me, Lizzie? Like, excuse me, ma'am? That's pretty much all I need to know. Like which is a little odd. Like it's probably not covered in paint. Um, obviously everyone was like, yeah, <laughs> she's, she was getting rid of evidence. She was tearing up the dress that she had worn the day of the murders. Cause well, so the like day after, the day after she found out that she was officially being like the main suspect in the murders. This whole dress situation, that is like you said, like that's enough evidence. <laughs> like that so- is, Emma testified in her trial and she said that the reason that she believed Lizzie was tearing up the dress is because even though it was like brand new, she had just gotten it earlier that year, she had got paint on it like earlier in the summer. Yeah, and so that's there what was I paint said. on it. There was probably. Yeah. And so. So guess- Emma testified to that in trial. Like she said that she even asked Lizzie at one point, oh, why do you still have that dress? So but I, guess, I I saw that she was burning it. Did you say she was burning it? Yeah, or just she well, yeah. she was tearing it up to put in the fire. So she was yeah. burning it. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess I could see that that it, I mean, it's tef- it's possible that it actually did have paint on it, but it's also possible that had blood on it. Had blood on it, or you know, why that day? You know, why that day did Lizzie choose? Oh, I'm gonna go tear up a dress, knowing unless she was like not all there i'm assuming she would know that that would be pretty weird to like investigators and stuff and then at the inquest which i think it was basically like an old like that was what they used to do um before the actual trial to kind of figure out if there needed to be a trial so i think sort of like a pre-trial hearing almost pretty much um basically it's basically just to it's usually only used in cases where there's a death involved to essentially um determine the cause of the person's death so not necessarily go into like who killed them or like but is it homicide but was it a murder yeah Yeah. um she at this time like right before the inquest began she had been de- prescribed morphine to help calm her nerves. And a lot of people believe that it's likely that this affected her testimony. So it's really strange. Lizzie's. Um, yeah. Morphine so, is quite the drug for nervousness. I mean, it is the 1800s. Yeah. And, and you know, like, I mean, the 1800s was when people were like, oh, women are, women are just crazy. Like, we can't help them. They're just nuts. That's which, true. Which, like, okay, load her up with morphine. Here, but, like, give me more information. Anyway. Um, so she had been prescribed morphine, which is odd. And then her testimony was bizarre. Kind of like I was saying earlier, she gave a lot of unusual answers and refused to answer some questions, even ones that seemed like they would be beneficial to her, um, contradicted herself a lot and was just overall gave a really weird kind of persona throughout the inquest. And then right before the trial began, Um, Right before the actual trial began, so after the inquest was over and done with, there was another axe murder in Fall River, which weird, Uh, right? Like, that's totally odd. 
um <laughs> they were very similar natured murders like both like with a hatchet very brutal the woman who got murdered was like murder in her kitchen like midday like bizarre um and then of course a lot of like at because of the timing of it a lot of people were like oh my god it's ha- it has to be the same person right maybe it's true that lizzie didn't do it and it was some random person but it later jose correa de mello um was convicted of the murder and he was found to it was unlikely basically that he was in fall city at the time of the Borden murders so that was kind of like a weird fact that there was an axe murder in Fall River. I mean, assuming that there wasn't a ton normally, um, kind of weird that there was one like right before the trial began. But again, yeah. it was it was pretty much like it, it was a weird coincidence, but didn't have anything to do with the Borden murders. And then I'll kind of just discuss like a few main points of the trial and then we'll jump into the theories it's because going through like a full trial is kind of boring. Um, so one of the big points of the trial that was like highly discussed was the hatchet that was found in the basement. Um, that was like, like kind of what we were saying earlier, a couple of minutes ago. That was a, for me, cold done. There we go. It was Lizzie or it was someone who lived in the house, right? That went and ditched the hatchet in the basement. Um, and then another big point of the trial was the dress that was being ripped up to be burned by Lizzie. Um, obviously, this is weird. Like, mainly, we talked about this already, but mainly because of the timing. Like, if that dress really had been ruined by paint, she, couldn't she have, like, waited to tear it up? Like, I don't know. She Did, did she need to do it the day after? Um, she found out she was a suspect in the murder. Murders. Um, And then another big point was whether or not Lizzie was actually in the home at the point of her father's death. So apparently she had went out to the barn, which was like on the property. Who? Lizzie. Oh, okay. Around 11 a.m. for 20 to 30 minutes. So that would be basically right at the time that Andrew would have been murdered. So that kind of goes with maybe she didn't do it maybe it was true that she walked back in the house at 11 10 a.m or whatever it was and saw her father like (laughs) had just gotten murdered basically but then a few witnesses like in the area neighbors whatnot testified that they had seen her leave the barn at around 11 03 a.m first of all again there's the weirdly specific times i don't know how these people had that good of time I don't know um like timekeeping but that would that would mean that it's probable that she was actually in the house when her father was murdered around 11 10 a.m um so that's kind of like two sides of like the same story and it's like do you believe that she was in the barn for a full 20 to 30 minutes or do you believe witnesses saying she went to the barn at 11 a.m but then they saw her coming back into the house or leaving the barn not necessarily going back in the house at 11 or 3 a.m but if she had left the barn why wouldn't she have gone back to the house kind of situation um then another big point like major like milestone in the trial was the skulls of abby and andrew had been kept and admitted as evidence for the trial and they showed them during the trial and then apparently lizzie when she saw them fainted so you know that's kind of weird if if she really could have killed these two people with like brutal hatchet like just slaying basically them um it would be odd to me that she would faint at the sight of seeing them like in the trial as evidence um did she like do you think she like genuinely fainted or like I mean, I don't know. I didn't really go super in depth into that. So I guess that's a po- uh, that's kind of an interesting point to make because you could think, okay, maybe she like just pretended to faint. Like she was so appalled that they showed them to her. Oh that's, no. That's kind of like one idea. And then the other point that was brought up in the trial a lot was that the day before the murders, Borden had purchased Prusik or Prusik acid 
which again was apparently for cleaning another fancy coat she had. This one was made out of seal skin. Lizzie, first of all, like you possibly murdered your parents and now you have fur coats and seal skin coats. I don't like you at all. Anyway, so she she had a weird relationship with the local pharmacy. I guess that's all I'll say. She inquired about the hydro hydrocyanic acid and then the day before she murdered, possibly murdered two people, she purchased prusic acid. So, I mean, like that, it was found that they weren't poisoned, but maybe she had a different plan. Maybe she was planning to poison them, but then things just worked out better for her to just murder them with a hatchet. I don't know. Um, eventually she was acquitted. So like the jurors found her not guilty. I know after presenting all everything to you, you're probably like, how did they find her not guilty? So I think there just wasn't any genuine evidence. Like that was the thing. There isn't a ton of evidence. Um, this, this case is kind of held up above, like, you know, like as like, you know, OJ Simpson's cases where it's like, uh, duh, he did it. But you know, here's, it, it just is like, kind of well also like she probably had pretty good lawyers and that was a big thing in oj simpson's case is he had like a whole team of lawyers because he could afford to pay them and like i don't know that's my theory is that like so i but being rich can get you away with a lot of things um i've also real quick i've also seen that the jury was all men like as was custom at the time and i think they genuinely just didn't believe that a woman like could, could do, do that, that. Somebody, yeah was yeah. she like beautiful that's my other question. well i she i i think she's pretty <laughs> average looking yeah she was average but her sister um, was prettier but they were like they were like like hannah said spinsters ah. like they were part of like a church they were really like churchy they were in the women's um my gosh, what is it called? The she people that like- the people that were behind prohibition, um, oh. temperance, the women's temperance union, the Christian temperance union, um, that was behind prohibition later. Like they were part of that. Like they were very religious women. Yeah, yeah. And I-, I mean, didn't seem like they took. Also, they were like buying fancy clothes. Like, who are you buying the fancy clothes for? You know. They found her not guilty. Was kind of what Caitlin mentioned that she was a woman. How was a woman gonna like murder her father? Yeah, like they wife? probably couldn't even like imagine Adam, that this woman yeah. like brutally murdered two people, like yeah. especially her parents, technically. Yeah. Um, and also the other, you know, thought is there's no evidence really. The only evidence that they had was the well, sort of evidence that they had was the hatchet that was found in the basement. But even then, you know, it's not like DNA testing nowadays where they could, you know, scrub it for fingerprints or whatever. Um, You know, if it didn't have the person's blood on it, it probably wasn't going to be able to be used as like cold hard evidence. We'll quickly discuss kind of some of the theories. So the first theory, which is like kind of one of the most widely, if you believe that she, these are all theories that if you actually believe that Lizzie was the one that murdered them or basically that there wasn't like an outside intruder that came into the house and killed them um killed abby and andrew what the one of the theories is that lizzie was in um like a psychotic state at the time of the murders so she truthfully doesn't remember or know exactly what happened which abby kind of brought this up to that like maybe she like literally wasn't in her right mind when it happened um And that would also kind of make a little bit more sense why she was prescribed morphine right after to kind of like, like maybe she had a his like a medical history um, that just wasn't brought up, but. um, Well, they just like, anytime a woman had any like mental health issue, there is like, oh, she's hysterical. Well, and I was just about to say that too. Like, like it was women's health issues I mean, health issues in general, but specifically for women, were really, like, pushed off at this time, especially by, by all male doctors, right? Um, so it's possible that 
maybe she had, you know, like kind of a history of psychosis or some sort of disorder that would have been able to cause her. Um, like some people like speculated maybe like um, some sort of multiple personality kind of disorder. Um, something that would be possible basically for her to brutally murder somebody and then essentially have no idea that she had done it. Um, kind of like in a blackout situation like she blacked out and did it and then didn't realize um and that would also explain you know kind of like conflicting evidence that she had given um like statements and then completely contradicted herself and back and forth because maybe she just really didn't remember um there was also a little bit one theory that was like kind of widely um like theorized was that there was physical and or sexual abuse from her father that theory is a little bit interesting because if you think about you know the time period that all this stuff was going on it was really taboo to talk about incest or possible sexual abuse within the family like that just wasn't talked about um especially not like in the 1800s so it's not talked about today but especially like a family who had a patriarch who was like incredibly influential and rich but also if somebody found out about that, they would have incentive to tell somebody about it because um, he people didn't like him, mm-hmm. is my understanding. Yeah. So For some reason, like, which to me, that means that he probably just stepped on people on his way to the top kind of thing. Well, when he was cheap, he, like, was really, like, stingy with a lot of stuff and, like, yeah, would find any way to save a dollar, basically. Yeah. You know, he had all this money. Um, I'll save my favorite theory for last. So we'll talk about the next one on my line, um, which is that John Morse, who was the Lizzie and Emma's um, uncle on their mother's side, was the one who killed them. Yeah, I've heard that. Um, so it, it in the main reasoning behind this theory is that it was really odd that he happened to visit them you know, the night before the murders, considering he rarely visited or even spoke to the family. Well, not um, only did he visit, he was invited to visit. Yeah, it was kind of a weird... So a lot of people believe that he was there to discuss, like, why are you giving away your real estate to Abby's family sort of thing. Yeah. And it's and it's kind of um, speculated that there was a incident the night that he got there not an incident necessarily but a argument that happened between john and andrew about kind of the whole real estate gifting thing so you know I, okay like that that theory is not my favorite nor one that i really like to subscribe to because i just don't like it was such a brutal murder with like so much passion that i just feel like you know, his, the, his brother-in-law murdering him and his new wife was just a little far-fetched, in my opinion. Unless maybe John knew something that we don't know. Like, maybe Andrew had been cheating on Sarah with Abby, and so that caused some issues, but I don't know. But like I said, Abby and Andrew didn't marry until, like, a couple years after Sarah had died, so... Um, and then another theory is that Maggie, this one is like so stupid, I think, because I mean, like, I guess, but not really. Um, Maggie, the theory is that Maggie killed them both, brutally murdered them both with a hatchet. Okay, keep that in mind. For having to clean the windows on an extremely hot day. Well. Isn't that your job? Like, I mean, not to be the, one of those people, but like really would she have brutally murdered her like employers because they made her clean the windows I don't think so no and and I guess people were just like okay who else was at the house that could have possibly done it yeah I guess that's understandable but I mean yeah unlikely basically sounds a little suspicious well and I was just gonna say too that kind of what makes John Morse um seem a little bit more suspicious is that he said that he was going to be back for lunchtime and the murder of Andrew. Oh, I guess actually that would defeat the purpose of the murder of Abby. Because I was like, never mind. <laughs> um, 
And then my favorite theory, which I saved for last, which is kind of the most far out weird, but also like could possibly be the case. And there are different versions of this theory. Caitlin kind of already mentioned one, but basically the theory is that Lizzie and Maggie, who was the maid, were lesbian lovers. <laughs> yes, this is the one. This is the one. And um, essentially, did they make a movie about that? I oh, think yes, so. They did. Um, the movie I was with looking uh, at Christina Ricci, Ricci, yeah. however you say her last name, she plays Lizzie in it. I'm pretty sure. I googled I correctly, like Lizzie Borden, mm-hmm. and um, the fo- some of the photos were like from the movie, and I was like, why are these ladies making out? But <laughs> so nope, and- I buy it. I buy and it. This, That's why she's unmarried a- at 30 or whatever okay so that's one of the big points obviously is that she was unmarried um and it apparently was not um like throughout her the rest of her life too she was rumored to be a lesbian and apparently at some point after this whole situation took place um emma and lizzie actually got in a really big argument about lizzie's relationship with a woman i mean obviously it probably seemed like a friendship but apparently emma was like no this is something more and i mean in like 1892 like people are like lesbians are the devil you know so especially women that were part of the women's christian temperance it was a much much different time but um so that's kind of interesting too well i'm not surprised at all that people didn't like lesbians back in the, the dizzy day um and so essentially the theory is that they were lesbian lovers and i mean there's a few different like branches of the theory one branch is that they were doing something together that lesbians would do together whatever you want to take that with your imagination and abby and andrew and or one or the other saw them and told one or the other um and then it was like this super like big riff kind of in the family and they had like thought about it and whatnot and they were like you know really really upset about it um and then like the other branch of the theory is just that like they were lesbian lovers and they hated that andrew was kind of giving away like their real estate their rights as his child as lizzie as her as his child um and so they were like let's just take him out and so they were in on the whole thing together that's the theory and well, then and it worked like yeah. they got the fortune yeah so. um i guess that's important to note too they they so basically if abby would have like not been killed then all of her all of andrew's fortune would have gone to abby first and then she probably yeah. wouldn't have given him to lizzie and emma but because they were both killed like on the same day at the same time pretty much it doesn't sound like they particularly liked Abby either. No. So I'm sure so they, they weren't really like care. It was just collateral damage kind of. Um, yeah. And then kind of the, the like cherry on top of this theory is that on Maggie's deathbed a while later, whenever she died, which was a while later in Butte Falls, Montana, by the oh. way, um, she allegedly confessed to her sister that she had lied in the testimony she had given Um in the trial in order to protect lizzie so girl so i don't know that's kind of like that theory is that theory is pretty far out but then like the more you think about it it's like oh and this theory is the one that i mean there's been books written on this theory there's been um movies based off of this kind of like lesbian lover (laughs) thing so i mean it's probably the easiest to sensationalize, which is probably why, but... Yeah, definitely. I um, have a feeling... I don't know if I believe in all of that, that they were in a relationship, even though... I mean, it does seem likely, because she was really old and single. Yeah. Um, it didn't necessarily seem like she had any, like, hopes to marry. But I know her and Emma were really close, so I think in addition to Maggie, Emma probably knew... Yeah, Lizzie so I guess was planning on killing them. That's another branch of the theory is that all three of them were involved. Like, because um, Emma was like more or less like a mother figure. 
Because she was, like, nine years older, so. Right, so she's quite a bit older. They had a really close relationship, like, actually to, um, so because Lizzie was suspected of the being the murderer, um, the fortune went to Emma, and she used a ton of it to, like, get Lizzie really good lawyers, essentially, and to, like, fight her, okay. fight for her innocence, I guess. And Lizzie, when she died, she gave a, almost, like, or when, like, she was about to die, she wrote, like, off a lot of her, um, you know, like, in her will, she gave a lot of different people a bunch of money, like, hundreds of thousands of dollars in today's money. Because I think yeah. when she died, she was worth, like, $4.9 million in today's money. Wow. Yeah. Um, so she was worth a lot, and she gave it all away. She gave a little bit to, like, a charity, too, one or two charities. So I don't know. I don't know if that really persuades you one way or the other to say she was a good person or not or if she did the mur- she murdered them or not um yeah and then I just want to put like one little note in before we kind of close it off too that obviously there are a lot of whether or not you believe this that's up to you but there's a lot of like rumors that there is strong paranormal activity in the home now um and apparently some people who have stayed there says some people who have stayed there say that there's a lot of activity, you know, kind of like weird feelings that you get in there, but no, like none of the activity makes any contact. So it doesn't seem like it's interesting. I mean, if you believe in that kind of stuff, um, it's interesting because you would think that if the ghosts of Andrew and, Abby were still there they would be like super angry and like want to hurt anyone that came in there but it doesn't seem like that's the case if you believe in that kind of thing which you can I think there's a few books actually on kind of the haunting side of it um so you could read that read into that too if that's something that interests you guys but so that's that's it for Lizzie Borden kind of a weird case I mean definitely a weird case especially because of like how long ago it happened um and I'm glad I could find as much like information as I could on it because it did happen so long ago so don't forget if you guys are listening to this on YouTube to leave us some comments down below in the comment section and then also head over to our Instagram and comment on our Instagram post we post a pic of kind of a series of pictures every time we have a new episode go up and so you guys can comment on that and kind of tell us what you think or if you have any like questions or like additional information um too to add to the case and then we also have a facebook um at who would wear podcast and that's what our instagram is and our youtube as well and you can also leave us reviews on apple podcasts thanks everybody